Gamies, welcome back to Gaming Trim Podcast. This is your host, Erica. Oh my god, we're back? <laughs> oh my god, it's been so long. Oh, I'm John, by the way. I think I am. I hope so. I'm wearing his underwear. But dear god, we're back. Oh, I know. <laughs> the past couple episodes um, were our board game, House of Danger. Uh, so they did hear a little of me, and of course you, through the original show. Uh, but we haven't heard an original John in a minute. Yes, there can only be one. If there were two of us, <laughs> the apocalypse would start. Oh my gosh. It's been insane. Um, I mean, a lot of stuff has happened. I had a family death uh, and it was just very heart-wrenching and crazy. My car, I, my car pretty much got totaled uh, New Year's Eve and I just got my car back today. Wow. So, <laughs> so did they like outfit it, you know, like in a sh- like Star Trek shields or a phaser right? ray? Yeah. Or no, maybe- it's... It's just because of COVID, because it took over a month for them to, because number one, they don't have people go to auto shops anymore. They do everything digitally. But for some reason, it took a month for them to do a digital walkthrough. Um, so my, my car was sitting in the shop for over a month. A digital walkthrough. Yeah. So. <laughs> huh. So they just like take the phone, rub it on their forehead and just like. <laughs> Uh no, we're not paying for, we're not gonna pay you for a new car. No, it's too new. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna fix it, but we're gonna make sure it sits forever. Yes. <laughs> no, but yeah, they took a phone or laptop or whatever, they circle it around the car and they say, This is what we think it's gonna cost. And then wow. they purely go off of that. Yes. This um, is what we think. I was hit. Wow. I, I, I'm in a little tiny Honda. I was hit by a huge, like, Ford Expedition type car. Um, they had, like, a little bump. My whole back was caved in. I got hit at a stop sign. So I've been going to um, another thing. I've been going to, you know, back therapy and doing all that. So it's been insane. I also got married. So I'm just like, I just want everything to stop and just like and, chill. <laughs> and anyone, if you want to get her a, a get well, happy marriage gift, she loves bullet bourbon. I do, but any liquor would ab- absolutely suffice. <laughs> get, get bullet bourbon, people. She will love you a lot. The biggest hugs ever. <laughs> and Chardonnay. I will never pass on a shard. Um, but oh, you are so ahead. white. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, that's honestly probably one of my whitest traits that I love some Chardonnay, honestly, honestly. Uh, but let's get into today's topic, which is the best 2020 games. So let's do Game On, right? Is that what we call it? We call it Game On, right? Game On, on yes. <laughs> let's get to Game On. Game On. Yes, it's March. We, I got it. I don't. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear it. Okay? I'm still processing last March. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. So even though we're three months into 2021, we're going to talk about the best games of 2020. These are the games that us, the people from Gaming Trend, loved. So you're not going to see everything. You're not going to see the top ten. You're gonna. We're going to talk about what we love, what we care about. Um, and there are a lot of top. 20 whatever games in there but this is this is us in a nutshell uh, you sound better than me so okay so apparently neither of us can really pronounce it so i am going to do my breast impersonation of it are you ready yeah yeah let's do it Ooh, generation okay. <laughs> sorry to everyone if we pronounce this wrong <laughs> i'm trying my best over here <laughs> but it is a first person shooter but not in the way you probably expect instead of a gun The player shoots photos in the shitty future with a camera made by Canon that fits in that little tiny pocket. It's supposed to go with a lighter on jeans. This shitty future is actually a catastrophic end of the world scenario that's played out in scenes in different levels of the game. Created by a single developer. Oh, generation. Yeah, I can't say it without having the accent. (laughs) (laughs) Despite being set in the futuristic cyberpunk New Zealand. Well, that's just wonderful. (laughs) Feels wildly relevant to 2020. Its themes are unrelenting hopefulness and action between sites of impending doom are poignant 
observed in these largely still worlds and told through posters, newspapers, and a shifting landscape. It's a game that surprised us. It feels so simple when it begins. Fine and take a photo of a seagull. Hey, there's a badger. Ooh, it's a honey badger. Take a photo before it eats us. Take a photo of some markers. Find a roll of film. But those objectives, the photos you need to take, add up to so much more. There's no dialogue in Umaragi generation. But the game doesn't need it. Everything is already in a it's Mari <laughs> sci-fi world. And yes, you are the father. Um, I totally dig that it doesn't have any dialogue. Okay, so it's like playing a Zelda game. <laughs> <laughs> There's dialogue in Zelda, and we all know that. But it, it's definitely focusing on just beautiful imagery, and it hits on a deeper level. It's, I mean, honestly, you'd be surprised on what people can pick off on just body language and, like, mood settings. Honestly, you could have a whole conversation without saying a word. Hmm. Interesting. I should try that next time I go out. Just stand there silently, stare at them. <laughs> so the next game that we love is Ghost of Tsushima, right? I mean, it won for art direction, best art direction of 2020. Beautiful game, okay? So the story of Ghost of Tsushima takes the idea of the honor-bound samurai trope and lets the player explore the limits of the archetype, right? It isn't long until the narrative tests the foundations and forms, cracks in its designs, becoming the titular ghost Titular, yeah. That's how you say it. Uh, you Am say, I wrong? I have no idea. It's just to say you said tit, so it's like, okay. <laughs> you can make a ghost that ultimately saves Tsushima is a haunting and necessary evil that slowly erodes the identity of the main character and the necessity of a samurai code. Jin Saka's transformation is a slow one, the effects of which ricochet off everyone on the island he's trying to save. The consequences of becoming a specter that haunts his enemies also instills fear into the very people he's trying to save. The final moments of the game don't let the player reveal in a job well done, but rather questions whether the cost of succeeding was worth the path to victory. Hey, you saved the town, but you killed 14 kids. <laughs> <laughs> and a dog. And out comes John Wick. Very John Wick vibes, in my opinion. Um, I, I Again, I see why it got best in art direction. Beautiful game. Love the characters. I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for anything like samurai and all that kind of stuff. You're already laughing at me. <laughs> um, it was a beautiful game. I, I loved it. Anyone who's into like samurai games, like rich Japanese hitch history, uh, definitely pick it up. It's a good one. And with that, we're going to steamroll right into Hades. And that is a classic coming of age story drenched in Greek mythology. Oh, so much wine. The game tells the tale of Zagreus, son of Hades, who is making a break from the depths of hell in an attempt to reach the surface. Because that's where all the fun stuff is. Or is it actually hell? We'll never know. Zagreus will end up dying dozens of times over your quest throughout the game. So you get used to the agony of murder real quick. Now we're just going to take ourselves out right now. Here comes a flock of seagulls. But despite the constant death and junking by Zagreus' rude dad, Hades pulls off the fantastic feat of being kind, cozy, and welcoming like a warm hug. Sure, I got my face blasted off by the bone hydra, and I'm still mad about the butterfly balls at Celium, but I'm always has soft place to land. Mm, corpses. The game removes the additional barriers of a roguelike, easily giving the thrill of the genre to new players, with a big cast of characters, most of whom are family, and you're probably going to kill them anyway so they don't backstab you. It's no surprise that things get increasingly complicated as you die... Talk to your friends back home, buy a precious upgrade, and then you die again. It's great. Up in the wilds of hell, you master new weapons and perfect your technique against impossible odds. When you get back home, you try to make things a little better for you and your families by baking them a pie. The two paths seamlessly mix together, creating an unforgettable campaign of struggle, despair, triumph, and satisfaction. Because, yeah, death pie. So this game got best indie game and best action game. 2020 was honestly a great year for indie games. Yeah, we had um, nowhere to I go. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, I mean, 2020 was indie's year, y'all. Like, way to go, indie games. Uh, this game was actually played by our big boss, Ron Burke. He loved this game, recommended it. I love Greek mythology. I eat that shit up. 
Greek mythology is easy. Okay, this one made out with their sister, had a kid, <laughs> and at the same time, that brother kept finding every single female and kept having kids, while the woman, the sister, was just like, no, don't do that. I'm your wife. You're supposed to be loyal to me, and then started smiting all the kids. I like how Zeus, like fucked everything yes and he turned himself into animals he he was he was something dear god man don't turn into a <laughs> into a goose and have sex with a woman that's just weird <laughs> oh don't tell me how to live my life so many animals you can choose from he chose a goose please tell me it laid a golden egg our next game is spider-man Miles Morales. Uh, this is a game I think every single person has played. Uh, it came out at the beginning of 2020, so really good. It was on the PS5, right, when it came out? Yeah, I think it was a launch title for the PlayStation 5. Yes. So, marked the first time I understood why the web slinger is often called your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. 2018 Spider-Man was great, but it failed to establish Peter Parker's role in the fabric of the city. Miles Morales, on the other hand, is Spanish Harlem. His story, identity, and reason for putting on the mask are all in service of the neighborhood he represents. His roots tie him into the time and place that need his version of the hero to hold it together. Throughout Spider-Man, Miles Morales we get to see him grow into a defender who doesn't save New York City as a hero of some sort of, you know, monolithic location, but the hero of a specific zip code. He gains the trust of his neighbors, eats empanadas <laughs> and pastelis from a nearby restaurant, and desperately struggles to save his local bodega's cat. <laughs> his acts may feel small compared to this world-shattering events the Avengers might be mixed up in. But to the folks he shares a block with, these problems are their entire world. Miles is not only defending his neighborhood, but also the lives and histories that have become intertwined with the bricks and asphalt that surround them. That's what makes him the true, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I'm still wondering about the cat. Was it the same thing? That Was it the flark? That, uh, <laughs> that, Maybe. Uh, I'm thinking that's what it is. It's a flark. That's what I'm thinking it is. <laughs> Uh, but now here's the fun thing. You ready for this? I'm ready. We're ready. We're going to have the best game ever. Microsoft Flight Simulator. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it did win simulator and strategy game. So It's the only simulator strategy game we're all we're based <laughs> off of. <laughs> don't, t- don't take it away from them, okay? <laughs> we're going to fly a plane into the building. Oh, wrong. Uh, too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Of all the fanciful destinations that video games let you explore, Planet Earth was one I didn't expect to come in near the top of my 2020 list. You know, because we're all locked down. I guess it's the only way we can actually see the world. <laughs> but in a godforsaken year during which once in the century pandemic prevented us from traveling, of course there would be the case. Having said that, Virtual tourism isn't even my favorite element of Microsoft Flight Simulator, even though it really is the only element in Microsoft Flight Simulator. And calling it a video game feels reductive. It's a mind-boggling technological assault, bringing together a set of cutting-edge tools, techniques, and disciplines, and recreating every square mile of the planet as flyover country for your aerial adventures because they copied exactly from Google Maps. And in, you know, simulating the flight of airplanes, which some are the most complex machines humankind has ever built, Microsoft Flight Simulator relies on a staggering amount of artificial intelligence and data, and hopefully not data from Star Trek because he went boom, whether it's in the photography process used to generate photorealistic cities from 3D Bing Maps. Yeah, see, I told you. <laughs> Bing Maps. Oh, my God. Bing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're going to use MapQuest on this one. <laughs> the AI technology used to generate the rest of the planet from 2D imagery because of MapQuest. The real-time flight and weather information used to populate the game world or Microsoft's cloud computing platform, Azure, which processes all of this data and streams it to your gaming PC over the internet. There may be a couple extra videos that might pop in there. Just make sure you clear browser history. 
It's an incredible piece of software that likely wouldn't have been possible even five years ago, and yet none of the words I have said can convey the capacity of Microsoft Flight Simulator to bring all of that technology to bear in the most breath in the most breathtaking breathtaking yes breathtaking it's like breathtaking. <laughs> Oh, my breathtaking? Yes. <laughs> I've heard that it's amazing. Again, I'm not that big into simulator games. I don't play them. Um, I'm not into that. You know, <laughs> I know whole- that you are. Yeah, but things I do is like The Sims, where I try to kill them all in the most <laughs> horrible, horrific ways. This, you know, there's a whole game out there on Steam where you people can take over a flight control tower. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. And they are serious about that. There's You can be serious about anything. Oh, I know. I jumped on there and they're all like being exactly how you would sound in the, in the flight <laughs> control tower in an airport. <laughs> oh, Raker 69 or you're clear to grab. I am not saying your call sign there. <laughs> but what I love about this game is that it came out at the right time. That's why it got Sim Strategy Game of 2020. So many people were stuck in their house. There's so many people that I know that are travel bugs. And they're like, I haven't traveled in over a year. I'm like, bitch, it's been like 10 years for me. I don't want to hear it. But there's people that we know that like travel all across the world like five times at least a year. Oh, yeah. But still, couldn't they have gotten something better than Bing maps? <laughs> I, okay. Yeah. Uh Yes. I'm kind of curious what Easter eggs are in this thing now. I wonder if, like, Google's like, you're going to have to pay us some more money or something. And then Bing, you know, Bing just like, please, please just mention us and it'll be okay. (laughs) Hey, here you go. Well, you only use Google. We got Bing. (laughs) The maps might not be right. (laughs) It's okay. It's not Houston. You're actually in San Diego. You don't know. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay, the next game. Love it. Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Oh my gosh. I think I want to say we put almost 300 hours onto this game and we're still a fraction done. Like that was just the main quest. Like we only did a couple of the side ones. Like it's insane how huge it is. Okay. Assassin's Creed Valhalla is big. Okay. It's big and weighty. Just like the main character, Ivor's Axe. <laughs> and somehow it justifies the size. Released in November, Ubisoft's open world role-playing game sprawls from Norway, England, and back again. Okay? Even touching the shores of North America. Each of these places is gorgeous in its own right. A true testament to the pure technical prowess of the game. Uh, sh- sure, there, there were bugs, okay? But none deterred from wanting to experience more of the world. At first when playing, anyone would think it's too big. Uh, but as you continue playing long after finishing the story and most objectives, you enjoy the size of the world, how everything feels intertwined yet so far away. Uh, it's kind of a game you could spend months in seeking out secrets and side stories to fill out the world's lore. Um, I mean, it's insane how many side quests there are. There's so much deep-rooted mythology, which I think that's why I love it so much. And of course, it has Vikings. I mean, who hates Vikings, right? You can choose any person to be with, man, woman, whatever. I mean, it's a great Assassin's Creed game. I want to say one of the best. Well, at least one thing is when they designed all of the countryside, they didn't use Bing Maps. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I I love it. I love I love the history behind it. Um, the maps I want they're beautiful. Uh, there's a point in the game if you want to scout out the area you're in, you go to the top of the tower. They have like a little scout icon on your map, and when you scout it out, it shows like a 360 view, and it just it makes you feel so small. And it's just like how big is this game? I I just you can't comprehend how big it is. Dear. God, I'm just thinking all the side quests, and it'll just like be me in real life with my ADHD, just going <laughs> on side quests all the time. <laughs> you could you could just do nothing but playing side quests like for months and not even touch the main line. Let's go to the next one. Yes, let's go to the Last of Us Part Two, which, by the way, is one game of the year: game direction, narrative, game narrative, audio design, and availability. Innovation and accessibility. The Last of Us Part 2 puts you in a bad mood. And that's what we like about it. It's been a gloomy year for everyone. And from its bittersweet ending, 
Last was part two. Ask you to suffer along with it. Like we haven't done that enough. Rather than take you from tragedy to celebration for open the close, it's almost always downhill from one miserable moment to the next. We explored collapsed residential areas and built machines of pain to inflict hate upon people we didn't know. Sometimes they're called Mormons when they come to the door on a Saturday morning. And occasionally, those did. Most games would buckle under the weight of awfulness in the world of The Last of Us Part Two, but the joy of The Last of Us Part Two is its most unexpected feature in its saving grace. A knowing look with a friend turned partner, building a makeshift family out of the ashes. Those moments hit hard, not only because of Naughty Dog's practice storytelling skills, but because everything else around the character is so horrible and miserable. We needed something like that this year to help us wallow in our own despair and to appreciate the light when it's peeking through the ashes as the world burns. <laughs> so this game also won Action Adventure Game Best of 2020. Uh, it, it won a ton of rewards. I mean, it outshone everyone. It was so funny because when the critics were starting to review it, it got so much negative feedback. Didn't we review this before? We did review. When and we hated, the, we hated the ending. <laughs> <laughs> there, there were some people that hated the ending, but there's more to the story. And a lot of people hated the ending because they waited so long for the second part. And so it was like, oh, I hate it because it's over and I was expecting so much more, yada, yada, yada. But it, it has depth to it. So with that, we're going to go to our next one. <laughs> our next one is Desperados 3. Uh, tactical stealth isn't exactly a booming genre. Okay, but the director seems to have the format perfectly dialed in. After the success of Shadow Tactics in 2016, the team took those same design tenets, small squads of specialized units tackling armies of soldiers with precision and quick saving to the Wild West of Desperados 3. Desperados 3 changes very little about what made Shadow Tactics great. It's still an isometric stealth game filled with vision, comes with seemingly impossible odds, but small tweaks like being able to queue up your entire squad's next action to all play out at the same time make it much more satisfying experience than its predecessor. The adventure is made up of stellar levels that look more like dioramas brought to life, each filled with charm and detail from the rainy streets of New Orleans to the dusty byways of a sun-beaten desert town. Picking these levels apart piece by piece using each of your squad members' specialized abilities is tremendous tremendously satisfying. Like a Sudoku puzzle, which I love some Sudoku, uh, with more knife throwing. Fans of the classic Commando series will feel right at home here. Desperado. That does seem very interesting because, you know, the whole stealth stealth tactic. Yeah. Okay, it reminds me of a game that I'm playing off and on called uh, Generation Zero. We'll get into that later on in a future episode. Oh, okay, okay. But going from tactical stealth to we're just going to spray and pray, Doom Eternal. Yes. Doom took top honors in the 2016 Game of the Year deathmatch with an incredibly confident reimagining of the classic shooter franchise that started it all. And after some delays, its sequel, Doom Eternal, finally made its way to players on March 20th, just a week into when most of us began quarantining and saying goodbye to the great outdoors. And while another March 20th release came to define much of our collective quarantinism, yeah, that would be uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Pause for effect. <laughs> <laughs> Doom Eternal offered players something besides tranquility and the allure of an island escape. It lets you blast demons into chunks and also, in between that, jump around a murder playground. Whether or not those in murder playgrounds were successful seems to be the litmus test for whether or not you enjoyed Doom Eternal or really loved Doom Eternal. For us, it was a welcome release valve from the misery of 2020. Except that Marauder fight. Screw that dude. Uh, it was great. We had the uh, Nintendo Switch copy. It played amazing. Uh the graphics are great. The sound. If you put headphones on, you you are like there. 
Like they they do the whole doby, you know, like wrap around thing. You feel like you're in it. Uh, it's intense. It's like you wouldn't think about it, but they really revamp Doom, and uh, it, it's intense. It's scary. <laughs> Did you play it in the dark? Yeah, but then I was like, I can't. <laughs> like, no, but like it sounds really scary. Like they really do a good sound on the surround sound, and. I wasn't prepared. So he's like, put the headphones on. Like, hmm. I hear, I hear a demon around the corner. He's currently eating something. Crunch, Just crunch, 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 crunch. <laughs> and then macaroni noises. That's not right. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So like many others, including Caper Cell, um, I love Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you should know this. I love Final Fantasy, but Final Fantasy VII is my video game, okay? It got best score music and best RPG. Uh, I feel like it was gypped, but we're not going to go into that, okay? Aww. So the <laughs> FF7 Remake isn't just a fresh coat of paint on a nostalgic property. Each area of Midgar is so thoughtfully detailed and designed. The architecture tells me clearly what living in each sector is like. When you play the original on the PlayStation, you, I mean, honestly, it was the first game that I saw so much detail in, where there was, like, little things hidden, you know, crates, prostitutes, everything, right? And then you play this on the place. I bought a PS4 just for this video game. I haven't touched my PS4 since. I would do it all over again. The graphics, the people, everything. It is meticulous. I've been waiting for this video game for over a decade and I'm I'm excited. It was worth the wait. Okay. <laughs> so the massive plate that looms over Sector 7, again, beautiful. You see like the birds fly, the sunlight hit off of it. Uh, it's one thing to know it's there, another to see it. It's got dangling wires and crumbling edges where Shinra has given up on maintenance. After the plate fell, uh, you can look up to Sector 5 and you see the slice of dirty sky where Sector 7 plate used to be. Final Fantasy VII Remake is quirky and funny too. It didn't matter that you'd see it meme to death. Um, again, I, I love it. Um, you know, everyone was so happy to see the cloud dance off uh, against, against Andrea Rodea at the Honey Bee Inn. The Honey Bee Inn was like one of my favorites. It always was. Uh, it's one of many welcome updates, uh, for me at least, that makes the remake more comforting to come back to than the original game. Uh, a little bit of a spoiler... Spoiler alert! Do not, yeah, skip, skip, you know, 30 seconds, whatever. They make this game different. It is not exactly the same. They're adding new material to it. It's almost like multiple worlds. This is a different multiverse of Final Fantasy VII. I, like, almost lost it when I saw the ending. Um, my, my boy, Zach Fair, is there. I have, like, the hugest crush on Zach Fair. I'm a total simp. Like, I'm just like, uh, like, I can go on and on about Final Fantasy VII and how much I love it. Oh, no, please go on and on. <laughs> no, I love it. Like, I grew up with the game. It was my first RPG. It was honestly my first Final Fantasy game that I played. I'm just a huge otaku. And I love looking at these random Final Fantasy VII um, fanfics and, like, off comics. And uh, I have so much merch from Square Enix that I pay these stupid importing fees from Japan and I'm I'm just a nerd who loves Final Fantasy 7. And I, <laughs> I keep forgetting that we're not the same age because my first one was Final Fantasy 3. There you go. I aged myself. Sorry, Final Fantasy 7 came out 97. Okay. So it came out in 97. My brother gave me the greatest hit edition. Uh, so I was probably around eight or nine when I got it. Uh, so, yeah, there's a difference between us. <laughs> God, I'm old. <laughs> but I have played all the Final Fantasy games, like, on the original, like, systems. Like, I played it on the NES. I played it on the Super Nintendo. Um, I believe I played a couple, um, like, on the computer. Um Illegally. <laughs> but it's a great game. You hear that? If there's any law enforcement listening, 
<laughs> I meant nothing. <laughs> oh, but off of that wonderful, cheerful memory, we go to a game that I really, yeah, Animal Crossing: New Horizons. New Horizons. Oh. It got the uh, best family game of 2020, which, honestly, I can totes see. Um, It came out at the perfect time. It came out just when Doom Eternal was coming out, hence the huge crossover and, like, the fandom between the two. But Animal Crossing New Horizons, they knew what they were doing. They released it at the perfect time. If I knew knew better, if I didn't know any better, I would say that Nintendo caused coronavirus so that we would play Animal Crossing. So I wouldn't put it past them. New Horizons exploded after its launch in March. Thanks to a disturbingly good release timing. Thank you, Corona. People were looking for ways to distract themselves from the grim realities of the coronavirus pandemic, as well as ways to digitally gather. New Horizons provided both of those. Whether it was fishing up big catches with your friends, perfecting your tarantula farming techniques... Oh, wasn't this where you kept getting killed by a tarantula? Oh, my God. There's a video on Facebook somewhere, y'all, where you can just hear me in the background. (laughs) Like the highest pitch screaming because the tarantula won't leave me alone. Usually if you run away far enough or you go into a building, it'll leave you alone. I went into my house, left my house, and then the tarantula was still there and it got me. Um, I don't know what happened, but it took me like 10 times after dying to like actually catch one and it was the happiest moment of my entire life and i did tarantula farm if you could go to a specific island you pretty much have to demo it you have to get rid of everything tarantulas will pop up and you sell them for an astronomical amount honestly i haven't touched the game in a while because i've been going through a lot but yeah totes and tarantula farming wow and yes i will see if i can find that video of you squealing that sounds wrong Yes, we're not doing phrasing anymore. But don't worry. You can play the turnip stock market. Let's get some stocks. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Turnips. Mm. It seemed like the game had something for everybody. People who had never played video games before were picking up New Horizons to bond with their friends and families because they couldn't see them or chose not to see them. And they were finding enjoyment in everything new and refreshing. Being honest at one point, New Horizons was the main drive for us to get out of bed morning. Well, you, not me. I know you wanted to grab your Switch and check in on your island to see what had changed overnight or see if you got overrun by tarantulas. Maybe a special visitor or maybe the shop had new furniture that you were looking for. Though a hefty chalk of New Horizon players have now burned out, it's undeniable that the game provided an immense sense of joy and belonging during a pretty bad time. Yeah. Animal Crossing. I loved Animal Crossing. So, like, when the pandemic first happened, no one was working. No one could go to work. Everywhere was shut down. So, I would just, like, stay up all night playing Animal Crossing and then wake up next to my Switch, turn it on, and play some Animal Crossing. And then my now husband bought Animal Crossing just so that we could Animal Cross together. And we'd just be sitting next to each other playing Animal Crossing. My sister got it. And we would just all be on Animal Crossing, doing nothing, just running around in in each other's little towns and just having fun. I do remember one thing with Animal Crossing. Whenever San Diego Comic-Con got canceled, someone created San Diego Comic-Con on Animal Crossing. And someone created a Comic Palooza on Animal Crossing as well. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it was lots of fun. There was a lot of conventions uh, that did that. Uh, There's a lot. There, I can't even name I think them there all, was a, they all... Well, there was a big wedding on on that, too. Yes, there was a bunch of weddings, a lot of digital weddings. Uh, it was it was amazing. Um, if you go to Turnip Exchange, you could see what people are exchanging, recipes that they have, like stuff they can sell. It was, it's totally unique, and I love all the updates they did. They just did the Mario update. Uh, The game is ever-evolving. That's why it's so amazing. Like, and it's Animal Crossing, which is, like, a huge franchise. It's been around for, like, 20-something years at least. One of my friends that passed away during 
COVID, um, he loved Animal Crossing. Uh, and that was like one of the big things that we all played together. And he passed away right before this game came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I named my town after him. I called it Jamestown. And, you know, that's why we all played it. And we all got together in memory of him. And he, I have like a little, like a little memoriam in my, in my town for him. Uh, 2020 was rough. And it really did help a lot of people, including me. I don't know. I was an essential worker told to go out there or don't get paid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, I, I got to lick chlorine tablets. So I was happy. <laughs> yeah. Direct sales. You just have to like be in contact with people. So they're like, stay home. So the next game we're going to talk about is Yakuza Like a Dragon. Again, a lot of people at Gaming Trend love this game. Yakuza Like a Dragon reinvents the Yakuza series. The long-running franchise ditches its main character and combat style after more than a decade, but it manages to keep its perfect blend of stupidity and heart. Like a Dragon dances between a heartfelt need for family and a realistic sitting with silly Japanese role-playing abilities. Sure, Ichiban Kasuga goes through the emotional ringer with his longtime Yakuza family at the start of the game, but he also pulls a bat from the concrete like it was a sword in the stone, something that the game recognizes with silly Dragon Quest-like music and knowing comments from his allies. In the goofiness that propels me forward in Like a Dragon, I've encountered thoughts that spend their days doing diaper roleplay, and now I can summon them in a battle. I've watched my homeless party member, Nanba, deliver a beautiful speech about what it means to be homeless in his world and how he got there. And moments later, I watched Nanba use a special attack uh, where he scatters bird seed on a group of enemies, summoning pigeons to attack them. That's, that's what Yakuza, like a dragon, does. It reels you in with its outlandish stupidity, and before you know it, you find yourself really caring what happens to Ichiban and his band of miscreants. This game had me at Yakuza. Uh, Again, I'm like a horrible otaku trash person. Um, It's hot. I'm surprised they knew what (laughs) pigeons are, because they don't exist. (laughs) Birds don't exist! No, the birds aren't real. Like that's why they put us all in the <laughs> lockdown because they had to swap out all of the double A batteries and all of oh them to so- be solar powered. I want to know how you get into the no birds group because they have like a group, and I'm like, how do we get into that? Like, is that a thing we can do and then like just document our experience? Yeah, pretty much. But here's the thing, though. Remember in the movie The Incredibles? Uh huh. When they went to the island. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, the bird just like look turns its head, and its eye just opens up wider. Yes, like that's yes. that's where the whole thing stems from is from the Incredibles and that scene. I've seen dead birds, y'all. Yeah, and I eat chicken, and chicken is a big bird, so I know birds are real. Are you sure? Yeah, I've seen dead birds. Yeah, that, those are just birds that the batteries ran out. No, 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 they're flesh. Yeah, they're squishy, but they're 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 battery powered. I don't know. No, they're alive. The, they're alive. They're solar powered now. Because if you notice, though, since like the whole like the past like I don't know decade, like here Mexico, they're burning all the fields there, and the birds are falling out of the sky. Yeah, that's when they were real. They had to kill off all the last of the real ones and replace them all during okay. the pandemic. Okay, we need to get you. We need to get you in this group, and we're gonna write like a doctorate about like we're gonna have like a whole like essay thing going on, and this is this is gonna be a thing. Oh yes, yes it will. On that note of fake birds and swapping them out because the government doesn't trust us, Spiritfarer is a resource management game. You have limited space on your ferry, and you've got to find a place for all your flour, mill, and ore refinery among all of the houses. The rotating cast of boat guests each have their own desire from, from craving fried chicken to confronting a giant sea dragon that haunts their dreams. And it's up to you to feed them and hug them and keep them happy. It's very rewarding to get to know them and become invested in their happiness. Like the concierge that you are. Which is where Spiritfarer really gets you. It's a relaxing game and finding new ingredients or harvesting wool is never stressful. But it doesn't mean the game is is without intensity. All the quests and conversations are building to you helping a friend find peace and pass into the afterlife while you stab him in the kidney. It's truly devastating, but they can live with one. 
you might not get emotionally attached to every character, but when you do, letting them go to their final rest is a deeply moving experience. Just remember, you have to go through the fourth and fifth rip. It's sad, but an emotionally cleansing way that you wipe the fingerprints off the knife. Like watching a familiar movie that makes you ball. Now, this is one of Flynn's favorites from Gaming Trend. I love it. It's like a cute little indie-esque kind of game. Emotional, attention-grabbing. Not too much on the surface. Because they're like, okay, it's a resource management game, but it gets really deep, deep and dirty. I just want to go around stabbing people in the kidney. (laughs) Now, that is our last game that we're talking about. But we have some VR games that we have. Those are games, too? How dare you? VR games. There's games and there's VR games. How dare you segregate them? They are segregated. Oh, my. Apartheid is over. (laughs) We are a new United States of whatever. (laughs) Yeah, the first VR game we're going to talk about. Again, Ron Burke loved it. Star Wars Squadrons. Last year, everyone seemed to agree that the X-Wing series was dead and buried. Its successors, games like the Elite Dangerous, Star Citizen, and Eve, Valkyrie... Uh, had all had their time in the sun. No one expected Star Wars Squadrons, and yet here we are, ranking it among the top games of 2020. Uh, personally, I'd like to see it ranked even higher. I feel that a team so perfectly nailed the look and the feel of Star Wars universe that it transcends the game that came before. Those classic LucasArts titles were good, but Squadrons feels even better. It's too bad it doesn't have a Meteor single-player campaign, Sadly, it's one of those same over-the-top visual and stimulation gameplay elements that put many players off. Flying an airplane is hard, and flying a starfighter is sometimes even harder. I've heard the nausea and dizziness in this game isn't horrible, but I can't play VR games. I, I get horribly dizzy and sick, and it doesn't go away for hours. But you're playing a VR game right now. When will the conspiracies end? When will they end Miller? When Microsoft Flight Simulator makes an X-Wing game. (laughs) (laughs) And there are a few other games that VR, because I'm not going to segregate them. Phantom Covert Ops from End Dreams. And then with that, also, you have The Walking Dead, like we couldn't use another Walking Dead game. But hey, it's VR. Population 1 from Big Box VR. Half-Life! Alex! It got the award for best VR AR game of 2020. See? Still a game. (laughs) (laughs) It does make us frustrated. No, it's not because it's a virtual reality game. In fact, the VR implementation is done exquisitely. From the accommodating movement styles to the wide range of compatible headsets. We were rarely ever frustrated while playing or wanting to play Alex. It's also definitely not the gameplay. The physics system is a joy to interact with, and the firefights are some of the most intense action sequences we've played this year. We weren't even annoyed that the game was a prequel. And not just because your co-pilot Russell is one of Valve's most endearingly written and added characters. No, we're frustrated because it's a reminder of how long it's been since we experienced a proper Valve-developed game. Yes, game, not VR. Not VR game. Game. VR game. Game. (laughs) Half-Life Alex is a masterclass in narrative level design. It's constantly teaching the player new concepts without them realizing they're being taught something new. Every potential player path is considered. Every vision of environmental storytelling carefully crafted. And every puzzle designed to make the player feel like a super genius. Combat encounters Against just a few enemies feel daunting at first, but the intensity wraps up so gradually that by the end of the game, you're practically looking forward to fighting combined forces uh, in Antlions at the same time. Even though the game is thoroughly linear, numerous side routes, hidden rooms, and vertical paths make the world seem both wide open and interconnected. Past Valve games may have been more revolutionary, but the craftsmanship of Half-Life Alex is nearly incomparable. Here's hoping we don't have to wait another nine years for a sequel. Because it's a game. Unsegregated game. It's segregating. 
It's segregated in this episode, okay? There's video games and there's VR games, okay? Blasphemy! Blasphemy! Everyone plays VR games, and not everyone plays games. There's some people that just play VR games. So I I segregated them. It's, it is. It is what it is. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say anything else. I'm not going to say anything else. Privilege. <laughs> so those are all the games that Gaming Trend, the ones that we love, that we've seen, that we've enjoyed. But I think that there's, there's a game that's missing from all this that we've talked about. <laughs> now, uh, some people have joked saying maybe we should do an honorable mentionable cyberpunk came out in 2020 and that entirety of how it was released explained all of 2020 it was a total clusterfuck yes it was they were overworking their designers and then there was like outrage saying you can't overwork the designers so they're like okay 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 our bad and then delays came and then people were like no you can't delay our games ah! it was so so rushed it's like don't delay it don't delay it and then it's like don't overwork your workers which yeah they shouldn't be overworking their workers they're already overworked well you know the you know the management there's just with whips like Psh, hurry up now that's, slave. that's how you know it was yes uh but uh, the people that were really waiting for it they would have waited longer they pushed out the game uh because the playstation 5 and the xbox one x and the xbox series x whatever uh they were coming out right um, and they pushed it, and they released it, and you couldn't play it. You literally couldn't play it. Oh, there were more things with that, like the PlayStation 4 release. Hey, guess what? We had a zero-day bug on this one that, uh, yeah, if you tried to lo- try to move your copy from a PlayStation 4, your save game from a PS4 to a PS5, guess what? It corrupted the entire hard drive on both. Sony refunded every single person. That bought it on their website or whatever. They got their money back. But I'm going to be devil's advocate. Uh, My husband, he's been playing this religiously. I watch him every single night. He's won, I want to say, three of the five endings. I believe there's either four or five endings. And he's beaten three of them. This game, even though it's still buggy AF is gorgeous. Um, I love how complicated and hard it is to ride a motorcycle and car. It, it, it You look and you see what it would really look like to drive a car and a motorcycle. The quest system, the telecommunication system, everything was great in the game. I, I just... When it worked. I feel, I feel so sad I just feel so sad that this game didn't come out like it should have. If it came out like how he was playing it and how there was only a couple bugs, it would have been phenomenal. Yes, it would have. But you had to find the balance of overworking the designers to making sure the game came out on time and didn't have to make any sacrifices of people. I know, I know. I'm talking about, you know, sacrifices. Like, they probably beheaded a couple of them in front of the design. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure if they, I'm sure if companies really thought it would work, they would do it. They're blood sacrifices. Uh, Well, that's it for our video games. Again, that is what we love from Gaming Trend. It's not your typical top 20, but, you know, I, I like to, I like to talk about what we love and cherish. And, you know, it really brings out our personalities in a sense. So let's go ahead and get it to shut up and take my money. Shut up and take my money so the first thing i want to talk about um i mean it's been a while since we've had like a real episode uh stocks <laughs> so you've always been into stocks um i'm not a stonk daddy i know that you are my husband is really into stonks um i have i have like a hundred bucks you know a little bit of here and there um nothing you're like only a hundred like i'm 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 too i'm too finical with my money and i hate like, I already get, like, a million notices every day. Like, your stock went down. And I'm like, stop. Stop it. <laughs> oh, no, see, I, I did the intelligent thing. When the government started printing up fake money and giving it to all of us, I decided to take all of that and invest to make real money off of the fake money that they gave us. Yes. I bought whenever everything was shut down, all the energy companies and oil producers all just their stock went down to bargain basement prices. I can now buy 40 Glock 19s. That's great. I don't want to get into too much of what we have money in. I don't want to give people advice. Yeah, I, I we buy on the dip for GameStop. That's all I'm saying. 
GameStop and AMC. <laughs> I mean, do we have that? I own Maybe? Game, I, I have AMC. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, don't take our advice. <laughs> like, I, I just if you lose if you lose money, that's your own fault. Okay. The only financial <laughs> advice I can give you is never risk more than you're willing to lose. Yes, that is, and that's why I have like. I want to say I've put in like a hundred and something dollars. Um, I may or may not have invested into, into some Dogecoin. I'm still on a profit on that. I'm still uh, on a profit on Doge as well. Exactly. It's the poor man's. It's the poor man's cryptocurrency. Um, just like Elon Musk says, it's it's amazing. But I love how we all know this. Rich people are like, oh, just invest, invest your money, and you'll get money back. Just do this, and then what do we do? Us poor people start investing, and they're like, no, no, that is not what you do. God bless Wall Street bets on Reddit. Apps like Robinhood. I mean, they were like stopping buys, which they're still doing. Oh, no. Uh, um, the worst one that was that was Robinhood. They were selling people's stock of GameStop, AMC, and BlackBerry at bargain basement prices, and you couldn't stop the trade. Now there's now there's lawsuits with the SEC against Robinhood and all of these yes. hedge funds now. The person that's in charge of Robinhood, they didn't show up to the first uh, SEC hearing. Oh, no, because he'd be lynched instantly. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I I just think it's insane. And the company is still doing it. They're still monitoring uh, the GameStop and AMC. Um, like, when it first happened, they were like, you can't buy GMC. You can't buy... Th-. There was like 10 companies that they said that you couldn't buy into. Oh, they tried stopping the whole thing with Dogecoin. Now, if you're, now I'm going to tell you this. Do not buy cryptocurrency on Robinhood. Go to another way to buy crypto because with Robinhood, you don't actually own the coins. You don't own the keys to those coins. Really? Because yeah. I have mine through Robinhood. Yeah, I got some on Robinhood. I got some on Binance. The rest of my st- crypto is all through Coinbase and Binance. But with Coinbase and Binance and ones like that or like Gemini, you actually own the keys to those coins, which means they're yours. I've heard Coinbase is pretty good. Uh, so anyway, um, there's more than just Robinhood. Robinhood is the most user-friendly for noobs, I want to say. that That's just a biased opinion, okay? But we have Robinhood, Weeble, E-Trade, TD Ameritrade. Uh, you can even buy stocks on Cash App. And there's also an app called Anchor. Yeah, because with me, I got Robinhood, Weeble, and TD Ameritrade for my stocks. And I've made a pretty penny since the first... Uh, stimulus check when it came out. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I know people who bought really cheap with Dogecoin, sold it when it got to eight cents, and they made like a couple grand, and they just they just reinvested it. So I mean, I was hearing these stories uh, because yes, there's Reddit groups, there's um, there's also Discord groups where they just talk about you know stocks and there were people who bought into dogecoin years ago right and they bought it at like point zero 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 whatever and they woke up and they had tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars there's even one guy who sold his gamestop stocks and then he bought like nintendo switches and video games for like kids at children's hospitals i saw that I that mean, is a great guy it's just so sweet and there was actually a lot more of that actually happening but that was the like the biggest one that happened but a lot of these people there that, that made the crap load of money they're giving back to their community that's what i'm saying it's just like us regular people who like do those nine to five grind jobs you know we got our side hustles like we get this money and we're like this is amazing but i want to give back you don't see that from other people you don't see these from these big corporations who are just selling to their friends and the friends are buying and they're just like exchanging these you know, uh, stocks so that they don't plummet in price. I mean, insider trading. I, th- I don't know how this is not insider trading. Like, I just don't. <laughs> I don't, oh, I no, don't the, get it. See, it's a whole different set of rules when we do it versus them because we can't afford the lawyers to stay out of it. But now we're getting to a whole other touchy territory. We can, we so, can talk you know about this all what we're going to do now, day. though? We're going to go into Nani. Nani? So for Nani, um, we talked about some stocks. So let's talk about Tesla's CEO, Elon Musk, is under SEC investigation 
over Dogecoin tweets. You do know it's Dogecoin, not Dogecoin. Dogecoin, Dogecoin, yes, <laughs> pronunciation. I will say what I want to say, damn it, okay? <laughs> I'm in Feelings or effects. But yeah, so he was actually sequestered years ago, and he they were told that he could not give tips on his Twitter because of how influential he was. And so now they're investigating this because they're saying that his subliminal tweets might be going against the contract or whatever that he signed with them. So they're going after him for what he, what they think he actually said whenever he actually said like, you know what? Crypto is going to be the payment of the future. Like Doge is like very undervalued and that can actually be very useful for the everyday man. Oh, we're going to come after you now. But Grant, every time he says something and everyone goes by and everything, it's like one of them, he was talking about one company and it ended up being people buying the wrong fucking stock. (laughs) And that random company just skyrocketed. <laughs> I know, but it was it was adorable. He was posting memes, and that that's what that's that's what's hilarious. Like he was posting memes all the time. It was because everyone was like Elon, like ask Elon what he thinks, and there was an outcry for him to talk about it. And I remember uh, there are people that are like, "Oh my god, Elon made a post. Oh my god, like it, it kind of sounds like he's talking about Dogecoin." And there was podcasts. There was like there is this one podcast that talked about it and actually had an interview with Elon. And again, Elon kind of tiptoed around the thing, couldn't get into too much information, but he said, I could see this being, you know, a coin for the everyday man. Well, it's the same thing also like with um, whenever he's on Joe Rogan's podcast and he's on there smoking weed and all that, he made a meme about it, <laughs> which was, hey, this meme's also, the weed I was smoking on Joe Rogan, it's made by these people, Sundial. And yeah, that stock took off. And, oh and, my gosh! Yes, I remember when yes, Sundial took off. Yeah, I own stock in that too. <laughs> uh, no, honestly, there's a lot of weed stocks that people should invest in. Um, I'm in a couple weed stocks, which people were like, "What? Why are you oh, trust me, <laughs> it's I, there. There is a bill going through the U.S. House of Representatives to decriminalize it nationwide. Oh, yeah. Like, oh yeah, I'm perfect. I'm waiting. There is a company. I don't even smoke weed. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't even smoke weed. I don't smoke marijuana. I choose not to. It's not my thing. Uh, I've chosen my partners, you know, in the past and right now. I'm very straight laced. Um, I want them to be, you know, drug free uh, just because I want to live that life. So it was really funny when I was like, yeah, I bought into. marijuana stocks and they're like what do you mean (laughs) um might as well make money off of it there's a company that's going to be in charge of marlboro's marijuana farms overseas and i got some money in that i am ready i am ready to make some money oh yes like i've always said like for me okay i've smoked every once in a while but it's like it's not my whole thing. Now, Grant, there are people who need it for to help manage their PTSD, stuff like that. Oh, all yeah. For them. No, I cool. totally agree for it. Yeah. No, like uh, the hemp oils or the THC oils, they prevent seizures. They prevent they prevent so much stuff. Little kids need them. I, I think it's absolutely horrible that families in the past, now it's more, you know, decriminalized and a lot more states have it. But in the past, you had to move to... Denver, Colorado, or Colorado, or whatever. Yeah, somewhere where state where it's completely legal over there for recreation use. But one thing I've always said for years with marijuana, here, you know how I make how I make it actually profitable for taxes and all that. Take it, put it in a nice, pretty package, tax the living shit out of it. People will still buy it, and then you take that tax money and reinvest it into your local economy. That's what I'm saying. Like Colorado does that, oh, and yeah. their state makes so much money because it's also Girl Scout cookie season. Our dealers are out everywhere, and I love seeing those wonderful stories of the little Girl Scout troop on the sidewalk in front of the dispensary, and they are going to the jamboree. (laughs) (laughs) They know their clientele. Hey, they know it. They know it. Uh, Well, you know what, guys? We would love to get into some more Nani and shut up and take our money, but uh, we've already kept you for so long. Uh, We kind of fangirled over some games. Um, I had my commentary on a lot of things. But it was good. It's 
crazy that it's been forever since we've done this. Life is really hard for a lot of people. And, you know, sometimes it takes a toll on us, but we really have to push through and try to get back to what makes us happy. Because if you dwell on the past, if you dwell in those dark places, you're just going to stay in those dark places. And this is coming from both of our personal experiences. Oh, yeah. You you have to force yourself. You have to force yourself to do better. And if you really need help, like, reach out. You know, get on that anxiety mess- medicine. Get on that depression medicine. There is nothing wrong that admitting. Weed. Yeah, there's <laughs> nothing wrong admitting that you have an imbalance that needs to be helped. So reach out. You can always reach out to us, right? You can email us at podcast at gamingtrend.com. You can follow me anywhere at The Raging Erica. And you can follow me everywhere at Dogfin Studios. You can listen to us on any major podcatcher. We're on Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Anywhere you listen to, we're going to be there. In your ears, in your phone, watching you while you sleep. Well, not that far. My God, we're not creepers. (laughs) That's it, guys. We'll catch you next week. (laughs)